I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus asks, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples give all kinds of answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus asks the real question. Who do you say that I am? Sharp intake of breath, silence, a pause, and then Peter speaks. But we know his answer. Here's what I'm curious about. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? After all, that's what matters, isn't it? Who do you, who do I say Jesus is? Earlier this week, a priest friend posted two separate questions on her Facebook page. The first one was for her churchy friends, and she asked, how do you answer who is Jesus? The second question was for friends who aren't particularly churchy, as she said, and she asked them to provide adjectives or nouns that they would use to describe Jesus based on what they've heard from Christians or from general cultural knowledge. By the way, I recommend asking these questions of those around you because the answers are pretty interesting. Churchy friends answered with a wide range from son of God and savior to love embodied, ethical human, enlightened human being. The non-churchy friends used words to, to describe Jesus like love, forgiveness, inclusive, teacher, revolutionary, friend to the poor, uncomfortably honest, and the original hippie. Although in parentheses that person put, but without the drugs. So what do you say? Who do you say Jesus is? Though I would say much of what was listed in those two lists on Facebook, if I had to say in a very short sentence who Jesus is, I would say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is the one who speaks with authority, shows us the nature and the will of God, and thus has the right to direct all of my doings. Who we say Jesus is should direct, 
should transform our lives. If we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then we should do all that we can to follow him. In his letter to the Romans, Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might discern the will of God. We are not to conform to what the world wants. We are to allow ourselves to be transformed by the one we say we follow. The world wants us to conform to its ways, to fit into society's norms, to follow its laws, to be good consumers who support the economy. Society teaches us that violence is the way to settle disagreements, to put ourselves first, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and to judge those who struggle. But Paul reminds us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. Or as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King preached on this very text years ago, we are to be transformed non-conformity transformed non-conformity. In other words, we are to be transformed into ones who will not conform to the world when it does not follow the way of Jesus. Too often, though, we Christians are like thermometers that merely register the temperature of the majority opinion out there. But Dr. King reminds us that we are to be thermostats, not thermometers. We are to transform and regulate the temperature of society. Still, often, too often, we Christians conform to the world around us acting pretty much like non-Christians, except that we go to church on Sunday, or well, most Sundays. When social scientists study Christians, they don't find that great of a difference between us and non-Christians. It turns out that we read and watch pretty similar things. We give about the same amount of money to the poor, and so on. So clearly, most of us Christians, and too often I must include myself here, too often we are conformists, we are thermometers, measuring, reflecting the temperature of the larger society. So many of us haven't been transformed, haven't been turned into thermostats that set the bar and change the environment. But that's what we are called to do. We are to be transformed nonconformity, transformed by Jesus to conform to God's vision of the beloved community, to God's law and love. As the pacifist and activist Jesuit priest Daniel Berrigan said, we are to make our story fit into the story of Jesus. Father Berrigan said, ask yourself, does your life make sense? in light of the life of Jesus. So again, who do you say Jesus is? Is your answer enough to help you become a transformed nonconformist?
And what would that look like? Well, we need look no further than Shipreth and Pua for courage. Did you miss them today? They have a teeny tiny role in the scriptures and we heard their little snippet in the reading from Exodus. You see, these two women, they feared God. They knew that God is the God of creation who loves his creation. So they conformed themselves to God and to God's law rather than to the world. And what a world they lived in. We hear these chilling words at the beginning of the reading that a new king rose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. This new Pharaoh didn't know the story of the Israelite immigrants in Egypt, how they had become part of the country, of how one of them had saved Egypt from famine. No, this king doesn't bother to learn history. Instead, he seeks to build up his own power by scapegoating immigrants who live within his borders. He makes things up about them, suggesting that they might align themselves with the enemy should Egypt ever go to war. This king exaggerates, using alternate facts to suggest that there are more Israelites than Egyptians, that the Israelites will overwhelm the country. This is an ancient tactic, of course. Scapegoat the minority to consolidate power. We know it too well. The Jews were targeted in Germany, Tutsis in Rwanda, Indians and blacks in our own country, immigrants and Muslims, and now transgender military members today. To be conformed to the world is to stand by, doing nothing in the face of oppression. Back then in Egypt, the king continues his assault, first forcing the Israelites into forced slavery, then insisting that all baby boys be killed at birth. And that's when Shipreth and Pua step in. These two God-fearing women disobey Pharaoh. They refuse to kill the boys. Their faithfulness to God leads them to lie to Pharaoh, telling him that the Hebrew women are so strong that they give birth before they can even arrive. Some think that this is the first recorded incidence of civil disobedience. And well, I don't know about that. I do know that because they had been transformed by faith, they acted for good in their small sphere as midwives. They defied the status quo. They broke the law. They lied to the king. Because they knew who their God was, the creator who brought them and all creation into being and called it all good. They saved baby boys, one of whom was Moses, who later led all the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Who you say God is determines what you do next. 
I'm not talking about what the church says here. I'm talking about what you say. So who do you say Jesus is? Be transformed by that. For on that faith, on that trust, on that testimony of yours, Jesus builds his church. The assembly of believers who one by one, Israelite midwives, Moses the stutterer, Paul the persecutor turned evangelist, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you, me, that's how we become transformed, nonconformists, changing the world, just little by little, bringing about the church, the beloved community that God has in mind to transform the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.